Last week we started a, uh, a new series, which I'm really excited about. We've had such an outstanding start to this year. Um, you know there are times in your life where you think, this is a significant season. Yeah, this is a time that I've got to absolutely grab hold of everything that God's doing for me, in me and through me. This is a significant time. This is a time that I will think back on and I will remember as a time of breakthrough. I will remember as a time of advancement or whatever it is. There are times and seasons, you know, not, not every season we're in is this, you know, strong advancement thing. We just wear out. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> you know, there are times you just got to, you know, there are times to rest. There are times to forcefully advance. There are times to just enjoy yourself and just have fun. Uh, but there are times when, when you think, wow, God is up to something. God is up to something. God is doing something. And that can be said without us knowing what's going on. You know, he's up to something. And it's like, yeah, well, I want to know what he's up to. <laughs> I don't just want to go through life just thinking, well, God's doing something. I have no clue what it is. But, but you know, God's doing something. But, but I'm really... Uh, Excited would be the word, and stirred, and um, in some ways really challenged, but about the things that God is doing. We've started this year with, with that whole series from the book of Haggai um, on the greater glory of God. And I don't want us to lose sight of that all the way through this year. This year, we've really declared to be a year of greater glory, and I'm not going to preach that again. I'm not going to go back over the six or seven um, Sundays that we had on that and what God is doing about stirring and going up the mountains and being strong and, you know, prioritizing and all of those things. We had the most incredible time of praying and fasting through the month of January. Just some of the most amazing prayer meetings that I have really been in ever in my life. I can think back at times of prayer. I can think back to 1998 when I was praying down at Kingdom Faith in Horsham on a Thursday night. And it was as if, you know, it was that, that intimacy in prayer and that abandonment in prayer. And you know that God accomplished because there was somebody standing in the gap and praying. And, and I can think back to probably five or, or six times of those types of things over my Christian life of the last 33 years. But I know that as a church, we've, we've really touched something in God in the early part of this year. As we gathered to pray over 100 people on a Monday night. Was it Monday? I can't remember. Wednesday night. Some, some night. A Monday night. And then we called that special uh, time of prayer just the other Tuesday night. And, you know, even though it's only a couple of days, you know, um, advanced uh, Otis, we gathered in prayer. And again, we really connected with God together. You know, it's, it's so important when you pray, it's one voice as a church. It's one voice with one faith and one heart. And, and I'm just very aware that when there's things going on in the spirit, when there's things going on in prayer, when we're touching God in worship, you know, as you look across this auditorium, this auditorium is nearly full again. And yet we've just gone to two services last week. You know, the Bible says that God will gather people to where his name dwells. To where his name lives. It's not just where they have a good band. 
Heaven forbid that people just gather together to a person or to a church. It's that people are gathering together to something that God is doing. There was that great verse in Acts chapter 4 where they try to stop the work of the gospel. The Sanhedrin tried to stop the work of the gospel. And somebody said, you know what? (laughs) I wouldn't touch this. If it's God, it'll keep going. You won't be able to stop it. You'll find yourself fighting against God. If it's not God, it'll just pass away. What a great bit of advice, you know. You can't stop what God started. You can't stop it. The devil can't stop it. The government can't stop it. The culture can't stop it. The spirit of the age can't stop it. For what God has started, he will bring through to completion. And I'm excited about what God is doing in this place and really across INC, the group of churches we're part of, and across all denominations in this nation, there is something stirring in the kingdom of God in the United Kingdom and further afield. But we're going to carry on today with our our series on the life of Gideon. Last Sunday, we laid the foundation, which was pretty strong foundation. You know, we always need to understand what God does in the context of the time and the, and the season that, that he does it in. And there was this incredible season in the life of Israel where they were hiding in caves because the enemy had come over seven years like locusts and had caused people to shrink back and to hide away in caves as cave dwellers. And we're going to start today from verse 11 of Judges chapter 6 where it says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Ophrah which belonged to Joash the Abizrite while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Why don't you turn to someone and say, The Lord is with you? You mighty person of valor. Come on, look at someone else. Say, the Lord is with you. You mighty warrior. Come on, look at at least four people and say, are you getting this? The Lord is with you. You see, it's easy to just sort of quote a verse every now and again. Oh, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. But when you eyeball somebody and say, he's with you. He's with you. He's with... uh, Careful where you poke. I'm with you. He's with you. Eyeballing. See, the angel came and didn't just shout from heaven. He came to the land that was owned by the family. He came, you could say, he came and he moved into the territory... And sat there under the tree. And this angel of the Lord, which is actually a a, a theophany. The appearance. Because I know it says the angel of the Lord. But then we find out it says the Lord says. And then there was offerings going on. And it was definitely God turning up. When God turns up, you know something's going to change. 
you know something's going to change. This is why we need our, our eyes open and our ears open all the time. Looking for God. Now we know he's here. We know he's amongst us. But you need to look for the evidence that God is up to something. The angel of the Lord came. The Lord came and he sat under the terebinth tree. And he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. In verse 16. Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I want to promise you today, as we go through this series over the next few weeks, if we get hold of the principles from Gideon, we will defeat the enemies that we face. We will. Those enemies could be all sorts of things. How many of you know we never fight flesh and blood? (laughs) So we're not talking about people. God wants to ensure, he wants to see to it that we come out in the victory. No matter what we're facing. As we were praying earlier, I was just so aware that there isn't anything too hard for God. Nothing. Nothing is too difficult for God. The whole early part of this year, we've been talking about we want to create a place where God's greater glory lives and breathes. Where God speaks, where God acts, where God is at work in us and through us. But that God that we want to make space for, make room for in our lives and in the church is a God for whom there isn't anything that's too far gone that he can't come in and turn it around. There isn't anything too far gone. I'm very aware as I, as I start to talk about these things that I'm setting us up for a win. <laughs> I want us to get our expectation up. I want us to believe God for the best and not the second best. I want us to believe God that all things will work together for good. To those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. Those who are praying in the Holy Ghost. I want, us to, I want us to stir ourselves up and to believe God that I shall not die but live and declare what the Lord has done. I want to stir something in the heart of Citygate Church. You may have been hiding in a cave for seven years. <laughs> you may have been there for 20 years. You may have been told something as a child that you've never broken free of. I want to go for the jugular today, I really do. Not of yours and mine, but but of situations that have kept people bound, that have kept people under some yoke of, of oppression and bondage, mindsets, lifestyles, habits. There are people with addictions that nobody knows about. 
whether it's in the mind or something physical, addicted to insecurity, addicted to defeat, addicted to, oh, woe is me, addicted to the, to the whole self-pity thing, addicted to rejection. Because these things become self-feeding. When they first come, you fight them. And when you can't defeat them, you, you excuse them and you put up with them. And then you say, this cave is my house. And this cave is something that I'm secure in. When people feel sorry for me, I feel all secure now. This is I'm going. This cave you may have been in for five years, five minutes is too long. <laughs> Time to break free. Look at someone and say, the Lord, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of Allah. Woman, person, PC. You may have been in a cave for seven years. You may be facing mountains. You may be facing a cliff. You may be facing financial collapse. And I say, I don't know why you've gone through what you've gone through. There are times we want all the answers and there are no answers. Ah, oh, but God knows everything. Yeah, but that doesn't mean to say he tells us everything. And some people stay trapped because they want to get an answer before they move on. And sometimes you just don't get an answer. You just got to move on. Hello? So we're going to find out. We're going to find out in the next few weeks. Pastor Sally's going to be preaching on insecurity. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be speaking on the fact that he had issues. Gideon had issues. Next Sunday. If, if you're with me, why the mess? Hello? Why do bad things happen to good people? This is good, Arnie. <laughs> you may be facing a cliff edge. You may be facing financial collapse. You may be facing health issues. I don't know why you've gone through your time of trial. I don't know why you've had to carry your load. I don't know why you think I've had this burden too long. I don't know why you've had to go through the fire. I don't know why you've been up to your neck in the flood. I wrote this down because I really believe this. But I hear God saying something. I'm going to bring you out. And it's going to be worth it when you come out. It's going to be worth it. There's going to be such an incredible testimony. There's going to be such an incredible move of God in your circumstances and in your life that you will stand there and you will be able to say, I give thanks to God in all things. I've been through and I've come out the other end and it's worth it all. I will not be burned. I will not drown. I'll come out to a large place of victory and abundance. One move of God. One word from God. One man rising up. One family laying hold of God. In obedience can suddenly change everything. Can I hear an amen this morning?
When Israel's back was up against the wall, God in this situation did two things. I'm not going to read any more of that passage today, but God did two things. The first thing he did is God spoke. God spoke. The Bible says in verses 7 and 8 there that we've just read, God sent a prophet. When the people cried out, God sent a prophet. God spoke. The most important thing that you and I can get hold of in any situation, in any season, is the word of God. God spoke. What did he say? I am your deliverer. I brought you out of Egypt. I'm not going to leave you in the cave. (laughs) Ezra 6.14 says this, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. They prospered through the prophesying. Now, in that situation, they'd been in a cave, not physically, but they'd been in a cave for 18 years. And yet, when the prophets of God began to speak, they came out the caves. God broke through. Why? Because there is breakthrough in the Word of God. The Bible says, Jeremiah 23, your word is a fire and your word is a hammer. Never underestimate the power of the word of God. Never, never put down the importance of hearing the voice of God. It has to be at the very top of our priorities. Hearing the voice of God. In the Old Testament, they had prophets. Thank God we still have prophets in the new, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Absolutely. But I'm so glad I don't have to rely upon a prophetic word from somebody else to live my life of victory today. I've got the word of God on the inside of me for my word. The the word of God says I put in your heart and in your mouth the word of God, the word of faith that we preach. The word that God has spoken is now not external, it's internal. The word of the living God. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, it says this, Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Can I say this? Don't just simply read the word of God. Hear the voice of God. Hear the voice of God. See, God can speak in and through anything. He can stir up his word. He can remind you of something. He can can speak to you through anything. One word of advice here, (laughs) central to all of this, it will always line up with the word of God. Always, 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 always. How many of you have ever had somebody come up to you and say, oh, God told me. And you think, that doesn't add up either with the word of God or with wisdom. Hello? But it's so important that we hear the voice of God. The Bible says we have a hearing heart. That we spend time with God, that we, that we give God room and space in our lives. I love that account where Elijah comes and, and he's coming um, in and out of a, of a town, of a city. And he always stays at this 
this person's house, his family's house. And because he comes quite a lot, she says to her husband, she says, can we build another room? Can we make room for the voice of God? Can we make room in our daily routine? Can we make room in our lives? Can we make room in our building? Can we make room in our church? Can we make room in our family? Can we make room in our business? Can we make room in our daily life to hear the voice of God? Can we make room? They put a bed and a table and a lamp there and they made room for the voice of God. Let's not simply just read the word of God. Let's hear the voice of God. Is this okay? Yeah. Number two, point number two. What is the second thing God did? God chose a man, male or female. First thing he did is he spoke. The second thing he did is he chose. He spoke and he chose. He spoke into the situation. I'm your deliverer. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He chose. He didn't go to everybody. He went to Gideon. Now, I want to know, I don't know how you read the Bible. I don't, I don't just think, oh, that was a coincidence. <laughs> I want to say, why Gideon? Yeah? Because God's a God of plan and strategy and purpose. He's not just a God of random. He didn't just throw all the names of all the children of Israel in a hat. Go around some of the angels and say, right, now pick a name. Who am I going to go visit today? And sometimes that's how we sort of think. God's this random God. God's not a random God in any way, shape or form. God is a God of absolute precision and purpose. Absolute precision and purpose. So I want to know, why Gideon? Why Gideon? That's two of us. Well done. Whoever said, me too. <laughs> God chose a man. He said, the Lord is with you, singular. Isn't that Amazing. He didn't say, I am the Lord who's with Israel. Now, he'd already said to all of Israel, the prophet had spoken and said, I'm the Lord who brought you all out of Egypt. I brought you all out into the promised land. I brought you all out. And then he stopped promising anything. But then he came to Gideon and said, but I'm with you. I'm with you, Gideon. I'm on your side. I'm going to lead you, I'm going to guide you, and you are going to bring deliverance in this situation. I want to know why Gideon. So we're going to have a quick look at this man Gideon. What's he doing at this time? Well, the Bible tells us, Hebrews 11, verse 32, that Gideon was a man of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of teaching about Gideon over the years. And they always paint a picture of this loser. <laughs> and we're going to find out about his issues and we're going to find out about his insecurities. But there is something fundamental to the life of Gideon that I, actually I've never heard anybody talk about. And yet it's so obvious to me. It glares at me out of this passage. 
The Bible says he came to Gideon who was threshing wheat in the wine press. He was threshing wheat in the wine press. Oh, there you go. He was in fear. He was hiding away from the enemy. Well, can I say this? Everybody else was in a cave. He was in a wine press. What does threshing speak of? What does it speak? You see, God, we all understand God caused things that do not exist as though they did. And God caused things ahead of time. He said to Abraham, you are a father before Sarah conceived. Yes, God, we understand how God works. God says you are something before you see it. Or, be, or before you've experienced it and you believe you have received it and then you walk into the truth of it and the, not the truth, the evidence of it, the fact of it. So we all understand that God declares you something before it's physically or emotionally or financially or whatever happened. And there is an aspect of that to this, of, 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 of that to this situation, of course, he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You know what? But I don't believe that that was all sort of prophetic. Why? Because he was threshing wheat in the wine press. What does that speak of? To thresh wheat in the Bible speaks of a life that is separated unto God. When you thresh wheat, what you do is you thresh it and the chaff all gets blown away. The charful goes and you end up with the purity of the grain. And whenever you find somebody threshing wheat, it speaks of wholehearted for God. It speaks of somebody who's saying, God, I want to be wholehearted. I want to be pure. I want to be right. I want to be on fire. I want to be in faith. I want to be stirred up. I want to be passionate. I'm not going to be like perhaps everybody else. I'm going to stand out, not as some proud, arrogant thing, but God, I'm going to be separated. Perhaps that's the word. God, I'm going to be on fire for you. Wholehearted. He was threshing wheat. He was saying, God, I want my life to be a life wholly consecrated to you. All the chaff gone and just the purity of the grain left. The wine press speaks of God's um, judgment, actually, in the Bible, which really you know, speaks to me and it, and it says really what the word picture is, is that here is a man wholehearted for God who's got a real balanced uh, uh, understanding of who God is. But God is an awesome, all-consuming fire, and yet God is also my saviour, my deliverer. The promises I have from God are awesome. And I do believe it's so important in our generation that we have a very balanced view of God. Hello? We have a whole lot of teaching that goes into law. And we have a whole lot of teaching that goes into, ah, it doesn't matter what you do. And as you know, there are two, there are two extremes, grace and truth. Grace says you're already forgiven. God's not going to judge you. God's already judged your sin. Grace, 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 grace. But grace doesn't give us 
an opportunity to sin and get it wrong. Hello? Is this all right? It's gone very quiet here today. You see, Gideon was not hiding away in a wine press. He had something so stirred on his heart that really impresses me. What an incredible man this man was. You know what he was saying? You know what he was doing? You know what he was standing for? He was saying this. He was saying, devil, you are not getting my harvest. You're not getting my victory. You're not getting it. You're not getting my life. You may... You may be shouting at me. You may be coming like a roaring lion. You may come like a flood. You may come like a fire, but you're not getting my stuff. You're not getting my stuff. You're not getting my family. You're not getting my abundance. Come on, church, let's stir this up. You're not getting my stuff. You're not getting it. You may have got the guy down the road. You may have got half the nation right now. You may have got this whole thing to a place of such defeat that people are hiding away. But I'm making a stand. I'm going to take a stand that you are not going to defeat me. (laughs) You're not getting my stuff. It's not happening. (laughs) You may have had some of my past, but you're not getting my future. I may have gone through a season of trial, but you're not getting my victory. I'm coming out on top. Mighty man of valor. You know, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Literally, let the weak say, I'm a warrior. And as I look across Citygate Church today, I see a church full of warriors. I see a church full of people for whom all things are possible. I see a church full of people who are going to make a stand in their lives and say, enough is enough. Enough, Devil, take your hands off of God's property. My life belongs to God. My family belongs to God. My health is, is, is wholeness. You've got what it takes. As we close. That was quick, wasn't it? Ten things. Can I have the band up, please? Ten things. Number one, God is committed to finish what he started in your life. Look at someone and say, you got it. Look, come on, look at someone and say, you got what it takes. Yeah. God is committed to finish what he started. There's a big picture. What you see today is a snapshot. It's not a video. You may see a moment, but there's a big picture in Jesus' name. Number two. You've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And what's he going to do? He's going to lead and guide you into all the truth. John 16, 13. The Holy Spirit is someone who leads and guides. Number three. The Lord Jesus will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Look at someone and say, you got it. You got what it takes. Come on, you mighty man of valor. Yeah. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. What does that mean? Every every moment of every day, I'm not on my own. I'm with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's already trampled underfoot every plan of the enemy. Number four, 
whatever you put your hand to will prosper. You see, God, there are so many times in the Bible, not hundreds, but a number of significant times when God says, what have you got in your hand? What have you got in your hand? What have you got? Well, I haven't got anything. You know what, growing up, I know you know this story, but it's my life story. Growing up, I couldn't hold a conversation. Couldn't talk. A speech problem, impediment from the age of four. First day I went to school, bam, came home with this thing. Went to hypnotist, went to speech therapist. All I, all I knew growing up was having fun and going to speech therapist. Trying to sort this thing out, which no one could sort out. Didn't work. None of it worked. When I did my O-level um, German, I had to have a special person come in to do the oral exam and they had to record it and send it off because something that's supposed to take five minutes took me just under two hours. When I stood there to say, I love you, Sharon, and stand at the altar, I take you, Sharon, to be my lawful wedded wife, having to hold and, and all of that, I couldn't say a name. I stood there going, I take you, and everyone's going, no, they weren't. They were very gracious. 300 people. Talk about embarrassing. Dear God. What have you got in your hand? Went to a Copeland conference and somebody, you know, came up. I was, I don't I don't know how long I've been saved, a couple of years, and I don't know how they knew or whatever, but somebody came up to me and said, I've got a word from you for God, from God. And I was like, so excited. Never had one of those. Well, I probably had one or two, but it's like, wow. And they said, are you here tomorrow? I was just going to get my train back to London from Brighton. And it's like, you know, are you here tomorrow? And I said, yeah, yeah. And they said, I'll give it to you tomorrow. Man, that next 24 hours was like, <laughs> what is it, God. This person came, I mean, isn't that just bad? If you're going to give somebody something, give it to them. Don't do that. That's nasty. But she was lovely. She's about this big. Excited little woman. Older lady. She came up and said, oh, tomorrow, I'll, I'll give it to you tomorrow. So she found me and about 6,000 people, you know, the day after. She said, she said, the Lord's going to heal your speech. And I thought, oh, is that it? Is that it? I've been waiting like 24 hours. I thought you were going to say, jimmy, 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 jimmy. <laughs> and I thought, oh, thank God for that. I've already got the written word that tells me that, that when the king reigns in righteousness, the tongue of the stammerer will speak fluently and clearly. That's what the word of God says. So I found that. But what have you got in your hand? Well, what I've got, Pastor Jay, is broken. God can fix it. He can fix it. And I went home that, from that conference and I stood up in the church I was worship leader at. And I stood up and I said, I believe I've received my healing. And it took me so long to say it. Dear God. The congregation were like, what is he on about? 
The pastor got it. George Forrester got it. Bless his name. Bless him. I stood up and said, I believe I'll receive my healing. People are going, yeah, all right, just get on with the worship, you know. And he said, yes, amen. What have you got in your hand? What have you got? Five smooth stones? Take the head off a giant. What have you got in your hand? An old stick? Split the Red Sea with it. What is it that you have in your hand? Because God says whatever you put your hand to will prosper in Jesus' name. Point number five, you can get God's insight, wisdom, anytime. It's there. Number six, fear is defeated. Can I hear an amen? Amen. What's keeping you restricted and bound is a lie. Said I was going for the jugular today, guys. (laughs) This is a strong one. It's time to rise up. Look at someone say, the Lord is with you. You mighty man of Allah. Number seven, God has given you a spirit of power. You got it. You got it. Number eight, God has given you a spirit of love. (laughs) Oh, but I just can't forgive. Yes, you can. You've got the love of God on the inside of you. Number nine, God has given you the spirit of a sound mind. What's your mind doing? Going crazy? Keeping you in a prison? Keeping you in a cave? You see, why did God come to Gideon? He wasn't hiding in a cave. He was saying, I'm going to do everything I can to get my harvest. Devil, take your hands off of God's property. Other people have given up and resigned to the fact that they were never going to have a harvest again. But one man was saying, I'm standing. I'm sticking in there. I'm going to do this. And point number 10, you have the God kind of faith. You have faith which will move any mountain. You have faith that will open any door. You have faith which will cause any fig tree to wither. You have faith which will cause the dead to be raised, the sick to be healed. You have faith which will cause every Red Sea to split before you. You have faith, the Bible says, which can endure and come through in victory. That's what God's put on the inside of you. Can I hear an amen this morning? Let's all stand to our feet here today. Did you get anything out of that? Come on, let's lift our hands to him this morning, shall we? The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. Oh, I don't know if I can handle any more of this. You can do it. You can go through it in Jesus' name. I don't know if I can cope with this anymore. No, we don't want you to cope with it. God says you can rise up under the pressure of it and endure it. Come on, let's, let's just spend a little bit of time. This is, this is by His Spirit today. It's not by power or by might. It's by His Spirit in Jesus' name. Let there be an infusion of the Gideon type of attitude and mentality. Devil, you're not taking my stuff. 
Take your hands off of my kids. Take your hands off of my finances in Jesus' name. Come on, let's begin to hear something. Take your hands off of my body and my health in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Take your hands off of my future in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you today that all the promises of God are yes and amen. And Father, we stand here today and we choose to rise up right now. We thank you for resurrection life here. We thank you for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. We thank you, Lord, for great days ahead. You've said you plan every footstep for us. You order our footsteps. Lord, we don't just believe in some hyped up victorious gospel. We understand life. We know, Lord, we understand that we're overcomers because there's stuff to overcome. But Father, we thank you today that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We thank you, Lord, that today that whatever we put our hand to, Lord, is going to succeed and have great success as we keep your word in our heart and in our mouth. Lord, we stand shoulder to shoulder with each other in this place. We stand for each other's success. We stand for each other's breakthrough. And right now we put our foot on the neck of every plan of the enemy. We trample on it every serpent and scorpion. And we declare our lives wholehearted for God. In this house that God's will be done. God's kingdom come in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord God, that you will complete the great work you have begun in us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's give a shout of praise in this place today. God, we believe it and we receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, God.